It's 12.03 on June 28th, 2014. I'm on my way to Airport Road Starbucks to go do some work on some daily videos. And I just wanted to capture a quick message about how leaky our hearts are. It just becomes so evident to me. I am filled up today to overflowing with the Father's presence and peace and joy and fulfillment in my heart. After yesterday, uh, only being able to do a very brief Bible study, I kind of got interrupted by a good idea, and the idea was so hot in my mind I needed to get it out, and I spent all day long working on the Walking with Jesus Day 1 template with memorization sheet for a 31-day devotional I'm working on, and I ended up feeling just flat. Yesterday I went running, I felt flat, I tried to do a little bit of prayer time, I felt flat. Even in praying it felt flat. And the reason is, is because it was like God showed me, Michael, you did not fuel up and feed your inner man today, so you're starving. And it was like on my way back from the walk, I felt like, man, I need to get in the Word. Man, I need to get in the Word. I need to get in the Word. It was like I was starving for God's Word to just replenish my soul. I'm so dependent upon God's Word. I'm so needy. It's incredible. You know, you would think, okay, you read the Word, you get to know it, and then you go out and you're strong and, uh, you know, you can you don't have to go to it as much. I'm finding the exact opposite, that I cannot have an effective day, uh, a fruitful day, a happy day, without being in God's Word in the morning in a deep way. Drinking, drinking it in, it sets the tone. And so now here I am, filled to overflowing. This morning I was on my knees before the Word. Um, started in Psalm 136 and then literally went very slowly meditating on my knees with the Bible in front of me on a cushion on uh, Psalm 139. And it was just such a powerful, powerful time of meditative prayer and worship before the Lord. Then I got out my promise pages about waiting upon the Lord. I got filled up with that. Then I did my workout. I read my five Psalms, my one Proverb 28 this morning read my uh, 28th principle in the Charles Stanley's book and yeah, actually even looked at my day one walking with Jesus sheet that I made yesterday and went through those and then went and did my workout been doing this is my third day third time working out this week I'm so excited and I'm kind of feel like I got some momentum going it's not a whole lot it's only taken me about 20 minutes but it's uh the first two parts, two phases of the Power 90 workout, just um, that's working out really well for me and still feeling pretty good with not having any carbs. I did eat a cheat night last night. Still have sinus issues, but I'm not having that like, oh, drowsy, I got to go to sleep feeling. Um, not feeling like super mega energetic or anything, but just feeling good, just feeling okay and not, you know, like I got to go take a nap. So that's all happening, but while I was working out, I was listening to Charles Stanley, Waiting on God. I get in the shower, I'm listening to it, and I just keep the Word of God going whenever I can when I have downtime. In particular, the messages that I need to hear, which is right now, still waiting upon the Lord. And it just so encourages me and so lifts me up, and I am just so thankful. So thankful to God for His Word, and I uh, just wanted to capture the importance of you know, you don't realize it till, it till it's too late, but the importance of investing time in God's Word every single morning. 
It's one of the most important things. You know, how often do people leave without breakfast? They don't. And because they know if they do, they're going to have a miserable day. Or how often do people stay up all night long and then try to go to work? They don't. Some people do, but the point is you do this as preventive maintenance. And because you know that that's the only way to live strong, fulfilled, happy, peaceful, and restful as a Christian. I just got back from the airport, uh, Starbucks working for a while, came down to pick up two movies uh, at a red box here at the uh, Kangaroo Station. And on the way to the Kangaroo Station, I was thinking, wow, I haven't seen 646 today. I think I saw it this morning or yesterday, and I said, I wonder if I'm still supposed to go to the mountain. It seems like the window hasn't opened for me to do that. I thought in that right minute, I said, well, let me look and see if there's one. And I just looked at the numbers on the dashboard, and there was nothing there. So I go in to get these movies, I'm backing out, and I turn around, look over my left-hand shoulders, I'm backing out, my eyes go right to the license on a boat, uh, on the side of the boat, 646, right there, and I feel like God's saying, go to the mountain right now. So I'm going to go home, put the movies up, change clothes, head to the mountain, and it's either because my daddy wants to spend time with me, or he knows I need to pray, or he's got somebody that he wants me to meet up on that mountain to encourage or share the seed or share the word with. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. Can't wait to see what it is. I just had the most awesome thing happen. It is 3.44 on June 28, 2014. And I knew that God had just called me up on the mountain today. I saw the 6.46. It just makes me want to cry. God's been so faithful to do this for me now so many times. It's so it's just outrageous cool. So this is just such an amazing blessing to me. I get the 646 and I'm like, God says, come to the mountain now. So so I come up to the mountain and I see three vehicles in the parking lot. Uh, one of them is a real big fancy truck. And um, on the whole way up, I don't see anybody. So I'm like, well, maybe I'm supposed to just pray and maybe I'll meet somebody when I get up to the top of the bluff or whatever. Not. So I've just been praying the whole way up and... I got to a point where I was like, God, I almost don't feel like talking to anybody today. Lord, I pray you'll give me the courage and the energy to talk. And I get up to the very top, and I start hearing from a far away away through the woods this kind of loud laughing. I stop and even listen to it. I'm like, oh, man, I wonder if somebody's up here acting crazy. And I come up to where the power lines come across, and literally hanging from the power line pole, the big giant, you know, things in the middle that hold the pole these kids have put up this hammock and they're hanging like four feet off the ground five feet off the ground in this hammock attached to the, the power line poles and I, I watched I walked out and I said oh boy it looks like you guys are winning the you know the smart hiker yeah I said something silly about you know um you guys have ch chosen the safe way of hanging out up here I guess and they kind of laughed and so I walked up and said something to him, and and this girl says, she goes, hey, would you do me a favor? She said, would you take a picture of us? And there it was. God opened the door. So I started just kind of laughing, making, you know, a couple little lighthearted jokes, and they were really nice, and I took a couple of pictures for them, and then I said, uh-oh, I said, and while I was taking a picture, I was telling them how funny, I said, yeah, I'll take a picture for you, it'll be the last one you ever have, you'll say, you know, your, your, your family will remember at least what you look like before you got fried, and stuff like that, and they were joking, and 
So then I said, hey, I said, I said, I sure hope you guys at least know Jesus hanging. The one, one kid said, yes, I do. Another one said, yes, I do. And I said, oh, thank God. Thank God. And so then I said, well, hey, now I need to take a picture with my phone. So I took a picture with my phone. And then I got the opportunity to just talk to these kids and tell them my story and tell them how I ended up here and how I chased success, got it and got to the top and had no peace and turned to God and and I just began to tell them and beg them. I said, please, from one stranger to another, I said, put Jesus Christ first in your life. Put God's word first in your life. Give him the first part of each day. Obey him. Seek him. Trust him. And I got the opportunity to just talk to them for a good long while. And it was such a blessing. And they started asking me questions. And then I told them about my story video. And they said they're going to watch it. And... Um, it was just, it was just a huge blessing. And then I got to pray for them. So here they are in this hammock. I got my hands laid on the side of the hammock on them, praying for them. And I said, you know, this is why they they thanked me. They're like, Hey, thank you. I went to leave. And this kid goes, man, thanks so much for stopping and talking to us. Thank you so much for stopping and talking to us. I said, man, well, thank you guys for representing teenagers. Well, you guys are a blessing and you know, all that. So it was just a neat, neat encounter that I hope they'll remember for the rest of their life. Some complete stranger took the time to tell them to take Jesus Christ seriously and to be blessed. And they wanted to know where they could access my teaching videos. And so, I don't know, we'll see what happens, but it was just such a blessing. God is so awesome. Makes me feel so good when God does that. I know that he's with me. I'm sitting here thanking God on my way out of the trail for what he just did with me meeting these three teenagers, Jordan Chandler and Dylan, and how he called me up to the mountain. And I was thinking to myself when I was getting dressed, I felt this peace. Like, I got dressed, I went to the bathroom, and I was thinking about God's timing. And like, you know, well, do you really need, do I need to hurry and get there? And, and it was a rhetorical question because I was realizing God orders my steps. He knows before he set this appointment up, how much time I was going to need to put my shoes on, how much time I was going to need to get a little snack in my belly before I come up there, how long it was going to, how many stoplights I'd hit, and you know that I was going to, and not only that, but the fact that I went to get the movie, I was going to not do that, and I felt prompted, well, let me just go to the kangaroo. I haven't gotten movies in months. So I went to get the movie, which is where I then saw the 646 on the boat. And had been thinking about it. So the Spirit prompted me. The way it worked is, the Spirit prompted me to think about the 646. And then showed me one. This has happened multiple times. Where I'm prompted to think about a certain thing. Like, oh, I, I bet I'll see a 222 or 511 or even a 212. And it's like the Spirit prompts me and then I see it. <clears throat> it's like a two-way communication thing. Almost like guaranteeing that it's not coincidence. So I see the 646, I come up and I was thinking about the timing and I'm like, God's timing is unbelievable. When you think about the fact that God knows exactly how much time it takes, these small windows of opportunity, like the time I was going to come up to the mountain, he had called me up um, one day last week. And it was the day that I was going to, to uh, go shopping for the kids for their birthday. I mean, for the presents I sent them. And I felt like I was at Walmart and I got the call to go to the mountain. And I said, all right, Lord, I'll go. And then I was going to go home, put on my jogging clothes, 
go to target and look and then hit the mountain as soon as i'm pushing the buttons on the garage i feel the spirit say go to the mountain first then go to the toys so i went to the mountain and as i'm 10 minutes into my walk the guy's coming down jared he was leaving we had a 10 minute window i had only been on the trail 10 minutes if i if I'd have gone to Target first, I'd have missed him. I got the opportunity to tell him my story. I've now run into him twice up on the mountain. So I think about two other things. I wonder if, it, if this isn't maybe even more for my benefit than it is for theirs. Meaning, I wonder if God is doing this almost as a way of encouraging me during this dark season to give me some fruit, to show me that he's with me. And the other thing I felt like the Spirit was saying is that he's training me how to hear his voice to do specific Things like this, like he's giving me a lot of experience now of hearing a call, acting on it, and then seeing the fruit. I'm learning to show up when God tells me to show up, basically. This is so fascinating because this is, this, this is right in line with, man, I'm getting excited thinking about this. This is right in line with Jesus' comments that he says, I do not do anything that the Father does not tell me to do. In other words, there's so many of us that want to get busy for God. But what God's looking for is for those of us, I believe, that, we'll, that we will hear His voice and be about doing what He wants us to do, not what we want to do for Him. Obviously, we don't have to wait if we see a person limping across the street to reach out and ask Him to help or to hold doors open and, you know, to give a homeless guy 10 bucks if you have it. Those are not things we have, well, Lord, you know. But for the major things, the parts of our ministry that he calls us to do, we need to learn to hear. Now, obviously, God is going to use us anytime we drop the name of Jesus Christ or the gospel. We're planting seeds. I don't think we have to wait for special limitations, although sometimes it may be wise to hold our tongue in certain places but, or for a certain time. But what I'm seeing is, God, the, 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 the work that is bringing me the most joy is not the, the work I'm doing on my own, it's the work that Jesus Christ is inviting me to participate in. It's like right in line with this principle <clears throat> that Charles Stanley was teaching this morning about waiting on God. He said, what is it that you want to have so bad that you want to have it now? You just got to have it now. And he's saying, wait on God. He said, many people are smart enough and resourced enough to be able to go around waiting for God and manipulate the situation and get what they want. He said, but they're always going to have consequences. But number two, he said, if you do that, you don't have any assurance. Meaning, you don't have any peace in your heart that God did and ordained whatever it was you wanted or you were waiting for. Instead, you're going to always wonder, hmm, was this really of the Lord? You know, was this really of God? I think... When I heard that this morning, the first thought that came to my mind was Laura. And I thought so many times about, what if I would have gone up and said something to her best friend that I ran into that day in Starbucks when God said, sit still? Or I think to myself, what if I would have said something to, you know, Dave when I met him and found out his kids went to school or that his girlfriend, his daughter used to be his boyfriend? I could so easily go up and start asking her questions and get to know and all that and try to manipulate or I'm sure there's been countless other opportunities for me to contact her to reach out some way to her or run into her and I think to myself if I would have done that even if the relationship still got put together I would never have 
the assurance and the confidence that it was God who blessed me. It would always be in the back of my mind, yeah, you did this. You'd never know. So by waiting upon God, there's this incredible joy and confidence. And I'm, I'm realizing that that is true in this fruit producing that God's doing in my life. Like I could go sit right now and go to a Starbucks and I could start spilling out the word and talking to people and telling people, you need to know Jesus or, or whatever and all that. Or I can go where I want to go as he leads me and wait for God to open doors and go where he wants me to go when he tells me to go, like go to the mountain. And what I'm seeing is I walk away from these account encounters I have on the mountain and I, I, I never walk away. This idea just came to me. I need to make a list of all the people. I've journaled them. I need to make a list of all the people, put them on a paper and pray for them every single day. These people that God is bringing across my path that I can pray for them. That will give me something to pray for that God, no matter what their needs are, I can pray for them. I need to do that. But the, the, the main point I want to make, confidence that you have and the joy when you allow Jesus Christ to open the door and Him to do the work instead of you trying to do it and you walk away and go, hmm. I mean, it's like all the churches I think of that have thousands of people and I know there are churches that have thousands of people where God didn't put the first person in there. Man did. They put a marketing program together. They put a sales pitch they got an articulate pastor to tell people what they want to hear, brings the crowds. You don't got to be a follower of God to have a big church. I mean, you don't have to believe in the right Jesus to have a big church. That's obvious. So it's results that come from man's manipulation rather than God. And I'm telling you, I'd rather have fewer numbers of people that I impacted in my life, but ones that are authentic and done by the power of the Spirit versus having tons and tons of people, quote, seemingly impacted or touched by my life, but rather, you know, by my own efforts. It's 7-16 on June 28th, 2014. I just got off the phone with three of my five children. And while it's fresh on my mind, I want to capture an entry because I've never, I have not historically um, recorded these things but I just do not, I, I want to, for my own sake, I never want to forget what it has felt like for three years worth of parental alienation. This woman has done really an incredible job, and of course I've allowed her, I've just gone along with it, I see how this happens, of alienating my kids from me. It starts out with small things, and they just make it so difficult. Anything you ask them for, they make it so difficult. You learn it's just best to keep the peace and not say anything and not fight and just trust the Lord. And so this has been the pattern that's happened. But for there has been, I would say, at least 30, 40, 50 times over the three years where I'm talking to the kids, and again, I'm, only, I'm down to now talking to them once a week. It used to be that it was two or three times a week, and then it was down to two times a week, and then it's down to once every, twice every week and a half, and now it's down to once a, basically once a week. And now it's less than once a week. 30 or 40 times or more, I've been on the phone with the kids, and there's either been a disconnect, 
or something happens, the battery, the phone has been jerked out of their hands before and I've been hung up on. They um, had a situation tonight where I think the girls were fighting over who was going to get to go next. Just, no, I just got on the phone. Click. I heard him talking to mom. Click. Now I've sent texts and emails. Never got to talk to Tyler. Never got to talk to Ashley. So she's going out of her way. It is evil of another kind when you try to prevent your children from having contact with a good parent. If I was a drug-addicted, alcohol, lunatic, I could get that you would want to keep distance. I'd understand that it would be in the best interest for the kids. Obviously, she has this fake evidence because I've not been able to pay child support for a year that I've been put in this very humbling situation. But I never want to forget what this has felt like to have to go through this for all these years. And I know that my day with my children is coming, that my day of vindication from the Lord is coming, that God is allowing this for a reason. I've, I can, when, I, when this happens now, I, I have always just immediately gone direct to the Father, and I say, Lord, you see this. It's exactly like what I just taught my daughter tonight. Chelsea told me the saddest thing tonight. She said, Dad, she said, I'm not looking forward to going back to school, and she, says, or she said, my, my friends are going to be mad at me. And I said, why, honey? She goes, well, she says in school, she said everybody had been praying for me about getting to go to Florida to see, to go to Alabama to see my dad and everybody had been praying and she said the whole class clapped when Tyler said, you know, that, that we were going to get to go and I, I told everybody we were going to get to go, you were going to come pick us up and then two weeks later mom said you couldn't. And so now my little nine-year-old daughter is worried about having to go back to school because she told everybody she got to go to Alabama, and then she's not. And I explained to her tonight that when, when you are a Christian and you're waiting upon the Lord, there will be times in your life when God does not answer in the timing that you want, and you will look like a fool in the eyes of other people. That it will look like you're being shamed. And I said, but honey, it's with everybody. It's Daniel and the lion's den. It's Moses standing at the edge of the Red Sea. You know, it's Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. It's Joseph in the dungeon being thrown into the pit. They all look like fools. They all look, those that trust God, like, you know, are you kidding me? I can imagine Joshua must have looked like a fool when he's having the whole army walk around the walls of Jericho. So for a time, because of your obedience, you're going to look like a fool. And in that process, your willingness to look like a fool shows allegiance to God, that you trust God and you're willing to obey Him even when it makes you look bad in the eyes of human beings. That cost, That's faith that costs you something. It costs you your personal image. It costs you your self-esteem. It costs you your reputation. It costs you your dignity. And I told her, I said, but here's the key. If we'll endure, we will not be put to shame. And I said, you will not be put to shame. And I explained to her that when God delays a promise or God delays deliverance, it's only because he's got something better in mind. And I told her, I said, honey, I feel a strong promise from God. We're going to be together. I don't know how, I don't know when, but we are going to. And I feel confident enough to tell my kids that now. I just know that God's going to do something awesome. They're living amongst such rotten evil. I'm not, I'm not unforgiving to them at all, 
But man, their behavior is of a whole nother kind of level of just absolute evil, wickedness. And yet, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that they have treated me with such contempt and disgust and this parental alienation and all this hard stuff. It has given me such a heart for God, for others, for my enemy, for my children. I want them now more than ever. This has done good for me. All of this heartache and hurt, it stinks. Only getting to talk to three of my kids. It's been now over a week and a half since I last talked to them. And I still haven't got to talk to Tyler since I sent him a gift. She's intentionally preventing me from calling. So I'm going to try to call again right now, although it won't do any good. I've called back three times. There's part of me that just does not want to have any effort at all. Just be like, okay, you you want it this way? Go for it. You want to continue to treat me this way? I'm not going to ever try to push um, on any of these legal things. But talking to the kids, man, this is just, she's making it more and more difficult. It's 8.40 in the morning on June 30th, 2014. I'm on a uh, early morning kind of Bible slash prayer walk. Not too early, but a uh, quick, quick, quick thought. I'm listening to the book of Romans, and I am just got to chapter 4, and they're talking about how Abraham was justified by faith, not by works, lest any man boast, that whole idea. And I am sitting here realizing that Abraham's believing God about the promised land and that he would have descendants as numerous as stars had nothing to do with sin or godly behavior. It had absolutely nothing to do with that. It had to do with the fact that it pleased God because Abraham believed God's words to him. And so there's evidence in his life that he believes God. And I started thinking to myself, a lot of Christians believe God in their mind They believe God through their activities, going to church and watching it on TV and listening to the music. But where is the evidence before heaven? In other words, when heaven looks down at your life, where is the evidence that you believe beyond words or your piddly actions? In other words, where is the the cost of your faith? Is there evidence in any way in your life that your faith is costing you something such that heaven looks down upon that cost that you're paying and validates your faith in God. I think this is another one of those things where, like James talks about, you say you have faith by what you, by what you believe, um, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Faith without works is dead. And so another example is, is just to be thinking about what is the evidence in your life when heaven looks down that makes you a faithful follower of God. For the Bible says in Hebrews 11.6 that it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone that comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. This is all based on faith. So where is the evidence that you have faith other than the fact that you say, well, yeah, I believe. And I think it's Romans chapter 5. Paul is talking about how if we died with Christ, how much more will we live with Him? If by His death we were made right with God, we were, we were saved and died, how much more will we live 
through his life. So he died, we died. But then he lived, and then, of course, we're going to live. And as I was thinking about that, he, he says, if we died, we will live. This is another test. Can a Christian say to themselves, I died with Christ? Is there evidence of his suffering in your life, dying to yourself? Could, could heaven look down upon your life and say, yes, Michael Criswell has died with Christ or is dying with Christ? The idea is, is that we actually died all at once, but that we continue to die to ourselves, taking up our cross daily following Jesus. So it's a continual dying. But I wonder if this would be a good test to ask people is, do you have evidence that there's anything in you that died? Or is your life just still comfortable and everything okay? Um, not that you're not having problems in the world, but is there any part of you that has died? Like you're no longer following this, thinking this, doing this, wanting this. You've had to give up something. You're suffering along with Christ because the Bible says, if you've died, you will live with Jesus Christ. Michael Commentary. So in the next 18 to 19 minutes, I'm going to let you hear one of those very rare times that I actually recorded my prayer. I've mentioned this before. I have been distracted. I tried to record a few sometimes, and I felt myself being distracted by the awareness of the recording. But there were a few times where I was legitimately able to record the prayer. Perhaps the Lord moved me to do it a few times. I believe this was one of them. There's nothing super spectacular about this, but nonetheless, it is a true example of what my prayer life would have sounded like at that time. Quite honestly, it hasn't changed much except for that I've learned a lot more scripture and I pray a lot of scripture to the Lord. And obviously, I know the Lord much better today than I did six years ago, but this gives you kind of the foundation to hear what it sounded like for me to present my requests to God. Now, Jesus taught that we are to pray in secret in the Sermon on the Mount. And so when you pray, you go into a closet and you pray in secret. So some people might say, well, Michael, why are you sharing this prayer? Because, you know, it's supposed to be done in secret. Well, the answer is easy. It's because this prayer has already been answered and it's six years old. Uh, the same reason that A.W. Tozer perhaps was felt led to share with the world the incredible prayer that he prayed. It's, I think it's called the prophet's prayer. Uh, just as he was being called into the ministry, it's probably one of the best prayers I've ever seen or heard in my life. It's like something that's out of the greatest books of poetry. It's incredible. It's remarkable. My prayers are not like that, just so you can know. <laughs> my prayers are not like that. But my prayers are raw. They're authentic. They're open. They're honest. Probably one of the greatest things I have going in my prayer life is that my father is has become my friend. He truly is. He feels like a friend to me now. And he's much more of a friend and a father to me today, even than he was six years ago when I was praying in this. But, And I've obviously learned a lot and grown a lot. My prayers today have not changed so much in my approach to God as what you will hear in this, except for today there's a lot more thanksgiving in the prayers and there's a lot less crying in the prayers because I've gone through so much suffering and I've come to this place of totally embracing the sovereignty of God in my life and totally trusting Him for these things. 
Um, and also, there's a lot more scripture, perhaps, in my prayer today, and, you know, because I've learned a lot more of, of scripture. So I pray the Lord's word back to him quite a bit. And so, nonetheless, this is an example, and it serves for a few lessons. There's a particularly good lesson about when God answers our prayer, but not in the way we specifically asked. And we're going to get to that principle when we get to the prayer. So to that part in the prayer, I'll share that with you. But may God bless you as you listen. End of commentary. Father, there have been so many days when my faith has been weak. Moments, God, where I've put my eyes back on my circumstances, Lord. Times like when I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking of all the things that are not happening and how there hasn't been any new change and I have those moments of fear and concern father like even last night when my mom comes by and says Michael you've only got eight more days but God I thank you that you gave me the immediate faith to say yep that's one more day than God needed to create the entire world God that's true you created the entire world in seven days so father I'm not worried about there only being eight days I've seen you do things, Father, in the last five minutes of a nine-hour court hearing after 22 months divorce trial. So, Father, I again commit myself in faith to you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, that I woke up this morning a little bit worried and thinking, oh, man, God, I hope I'll wake up and maybe see a 555, and then I realized I was up too late, and I started thinking about the shield of faith, and I thought, man, I wonder if I'll roll over and see 616, and I rolled over, God, and there it was. Thank you. Thank you, God, for reminding me to take up the shield of faith. God, you've been so good to teach me these things. It's taken so long, Lord. and, and But because of this endurance, Lord, because of how long this is taking, you've been training me, God. You've been teaching me, Father. I see even this morning how filled up I am in my inner spirit, Lord, and my soul, man. God, because of the time I spend in your word every day, Jesus, I love your words. I love your word. I just, I feel affection for your word, God. I just love it. And yet, God, it just, it perplexes me to think about how easy it is to be distracted away from that. And yet I do it every day, but there's always, there's not always that level of depth and, and deep meditation like there was, you know, on mornings like today. God, I pray for that. I pray that you help me Always remember the importance of that, God, so that no matter what happens going forward, a success or failure, God, that I always remember the importance of having my mind renewed in you every day. This has been the only thing that has sustained me this long, God. Your word is so powerful. Father, seven days left until I'm supposed to move out of the house. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you provide for me, Lord. You already have told me that you will deliver me. You've not told me where I'm going to go, when you're going to make it happen, but you've told me, God, over and over that you will deliver me. You've shown me to take up the shield of faith. You've told me over and over, James 5.11, to persevere. You've showed me 11.01 and 11.22, have faith in God, and now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see 
multiple times. You've shown me 1 John 5.15 multiple times, and this is our confidence, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and if we ask, and whatever he, whatever we ask for, we have of what we ask. Lord, I'm thanking you right now. God, I thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name, Father, for, for, for these prayer requests. I thank you for delivering me, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, strengthen me to the very end. Help me to persevere. God, it's been a long, long, long time. It's been a long time. Hearing my nine-year-old daughter the other night, Lord, tell me that she's embarrassed about going back to school because she's afraid of what her friends are going to think about her because she didn't come to Alabama. God, I know you're not going to let that little girl be put to shame. I know that for a time we may be put to shame, but God, I know, Lord, that you're not going to let her be put to shame because my faith is in you and I have declared to her your faithfulness. Your word is clear. Whoever trusts and hopes in you will not be put to shame. Whoever waits for the Lord will never be put to shame. Romans 10, 11. As the scriptures say, anyone who trusts in the Lord will never be disappointed. God, I have faith, Lord, like Abraham and like Paul, that I have faith in you, God, that it will happen exactly as you said it would. And Lord, I'm trusting you. God, I'm trusting you, Lord, with everything I have. I'm clinging to you in faith. My eyes are upon you, Lord Jesus Christ. My circumstances say panic. What are you thinking? You got seven days left. Nothing's going to happen. You're going to get the boot. You don't, you're not even making any plans. You should be thinking about how to save yourself. And yet, God, I know better than this. I know better than this. God, the very words, the very videos that I'm working on, today's video is about closed doors. Today's video is the part of the story, Lord, where I tried so desperately to open the doors myself and to save myself by contacting the general magistrate, by contacting his assistant, by having the phone call uh, with the other judge, you know, over the hearing. And you shut all those doors down, God, to teach me that my efforts were futile in the face of a promise of deliverance from you. And God, I'm resting in that again now. Father, I'm using what you've taught me in the past so that I don't have to repeat these lessons, God. I believe that you are going to deliver me. I believe, God, at the last minute, people have stood around and have said I'm a fool and I've, I've, I've felt very humbled in the eyes of my children, God, when I've tried to explain to them these things, knowing that their, their mom has evidence to the contrary, that I'm just a fool and who's denied the faith, not providing for his own family. God, you have put me in a situation, Lord, by my obedience to you, where I have nothing but you to deliver me. I'm totally dependent upon you, God. I'm not making any plans myself. I'm not going to... I've asked you if I could contact those apartments and see if I could exchange video. I have no peace about it. You've said no. You've, I've been offered three different places to move in, including my parents' new house. You've said no. God, that means that you have a better plan for me. That means that you have a better plan for me. You have a better blessing, a better answer to my prayer than what I could come up with myself. I trust you and I believe you for this. God, I ask you for my children, Lord. Please, God, I'm asking you for my children. Lord, I want my children. They need 
their father, just like I need you. Their mom is not teaching them the truth. She is teaching them lies about me. She's living with an angry, hatred heart. God, I ask that you have compassion on her, but God, I pray that you give me those babies. Give them to me, Lord. I'll train them and teach them in the fear of the Lord. God, I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart, Lord, but I'm stubborn in my obedience to you. And I'm in your word every day, and I'm learning, and I will train them, God. I will train them. I will give them everything you've given me, Father. I will teach them how to obey you, how to fear you, how to trust you, how to seek you, how to love you, how to, how to just have faith in you, how to hear from you. God Almighty, I beg of you, Father. I beg of you to give me my children. Let them come live with me. God, you know that I will encourage their relationship with their mother. You know that it would be an opportunity, God, for me to do good to my enemy. God, it would, it would put me in a position to do good to my enemy, Lord. I could always do good to her, Lord. I could let her talk to the kids. I could have them send her stuff, gifts, remembering all the Mother's Day things. God, put me in a position where we can bless her. Take the power away from her, God. Take the power away from her and put me in a position, Father, to do good to my enemies. Father, you know this has been a desire of my heart since we walked into that courtroom. God, I have wanted to do good to my enemy. And Lord, I've been powerless to do so. It's like David, I've been on the run just hiding from cave to cave. The only good that, that I've been able to do to her was getting rid of those recordings or just allowing her to do to me whatever she wanted to do and not hiring an attorney or taking revenge. But God, I want to do better good. I want to be able to have the money to send her a hard drive with all the videos from the kids on it, Lord, and all the pictures. I want to be able to have the time to edit her triathlon video for her and send it to her. I want to be able to send her all of the child support money and some extra father for trouble. God, you, you could do this, Lord. You could do this. I've been waiting on you, Father. I've been waiting on you. I'm still waiting on you in faith, God, and I know that you're going to do something awesome. I know... I'm clinging to you in faith, God. You're all I have. You're all I have, Lord. I'm begging you, Lord, to come through for me for the sake of your name, God. Bring glory to your name. Show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory. Show me your glory, Lord. God, show me your glory. Father, I feel like you have showed me Psalm 40, verse 3 multiple times and several other instances of it, God, where you're saying to me that you will do these things before this, in, in the sight of men, that you'll put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God, and that many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. God, you know, as I say those words, that is the biggest desire of my heart. It's bigger than me having my kids. It's bigger than me having Laura. It's bigger than me having financial deliverance it's bigger than anything God is to see your name glorified and to see people take you seriously Michael commentary I want you to take note of the fact that my prayer just changed I've been asking God give me my children God give me my wife and you know you've heard me mention this in many recordings You've also heard me, you can imagine I've mentioned it, that I've prayed about this many, many times. It's been very consistent, uh, very bold, 
uh, very much backed by faith. God grant me these blessings. Now, notice in this moment, all of a sudden there's this urgency that rises up, a fervency. You can feel kind of a fire that enters into this prayer, and it also changes the direction of my praying. And suddenly I'm saying to God, Lord, even if you never give me my children, even if you never give me Laura, God, bring glory to your name. You see, the Spirit is redirecting me to pray in accordance with God's will. It is always God's will to bring himself glory. It may not always be God's will to give himself glory by the answering of a certain specific prayer we have. God may have something different. You see, you'll hear another part in this prayer where I mention that I God's been showing me I'm going to have a big family. Well, again, he's right. I am going to have a big family, but God is interested in spiritual family. And so he's going to give me a multitude of children and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. He's going to give me a huge family, right? But notice the Holy Spirit is changing my prayer direction. Let me draw your attention to the principle in 1 John 5.14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, We know that we have what we asked of him. This is a very important supplementary principle of prayer that we must add to all the other scriptures we know, Mark 11, 22, you know, Matthew 7, 7, all the scriptures where Jesus says in John 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. When it think when we think of uprooting a mulberry tree and saying, go be planted in the sea or casting a mountain into the ocean, and all that's required is faith, we have to see that there's an also written here, and that's that we're asking in accordance with God's will. And you see, God is changing my prayer to ask in accordance to his will. The truth is, Father is not going to give me my children back. Even though I'm praying so fervently, he's not going to give me that back. We all know now also he's not going to give me Laura. He's going to, when the appointed time comes, he's going to shift my desire. He's going to close the door on Laura, and he's going to shift my heart's desire over to Persis. Praise be to the Father in heaven for doing so. Now, he is going to give me one of my children back eventually. Tyler is with me here now, living with me, and has been since September of 2019. Many of you already know this, so God is going to partially answer that prayer. Tyler is also the only child that's able to see the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, truth and error. He's the only one who has been able to see the truth, and he's also the only one God has rescued so far out of that darkness. Now, notice... I'm going to be praying a little bit, mentioning that the Lord has been showing me scriptures about a large family. I'm going to skip doing a commentary on that, and I'll include it here. Yes, God is going to give me a large family, but it's not going to be a large physical family. It's a large spiritual family. And oh boy, is God going to answer this prayer to bring him glory. Pay very close attention. These are the parts of this prayer that are in alignment with God's will that he's going to hear and he's going to answer is to bring God glory. I have no idea what God has planned for me beyond the next seven days. You're going to be amazed when I think of how God didn't answer my prayer, how God is not going to just 
take me out of my suffering and prop me up in some great little place to live. And God's going to allow me to be homeless. And what God is going to do during that time is going to bring him so much more glory than anything else I could have possibly imagined or prayed for. So here it is again. I'm making my request known to God. I'm praying in the spirit, pray in the spirit. And you can see the spirit is guiding me over here to pray, God, your glory, God, your glory. See, God is going to bring glory, but it's not going to be in accordance with my great ideas and my thinking. I have to go along for the ride. I have been crucified with Jesus Christ. It is no longer Michael Criswell who lives, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. The life I live I in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see? And so I have to let him call the shots as do you. End of commentary. God, I've put myself in a position where I'm a fool in the eyes of so many people. My mom loves to remind me how I've lost my credibility with everybody. I don't care about my credibility with everybody. I care about you. I care about you doing this in my life, God, to bring your name glory, Father, to use all the garbage and all the hurt and all the pain. God, use it for your glory. Use it for your glory, Father. Please, Lord, bring glory to your name, Father. Bring glory to your name. Do this. God, I, I'm so humbled by my circumstances. And God, I have loved this. I have loved, Father, that you have allowed me to be broken into nothingness. God, I have given you thanks over and over. I thank you that you took me to the very bottom and then you put me through the bottom of the ground, God, because it's taught me to depend upon you and you alone. And I am more in love with you than I have ever been in my life. Father, I thank you for doing these things. I thank you, God, for the times I walk down that trail and I step to the side and make room for Laurel. I thank you. I thank you that that day is coming. I thank you for the times I see my babies walking behind me on the trail. I thank you. I know it's coming. I know that you have purposed to work in my heart and to change me and to use me and to protect me, God, from all of the things that are in me that get in your way. Oh, God, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. God, you have given me so much help. You have given me so much help. I love you so much, Lord. Father, please, you've been so good to guide me. I don't know how I could ever give you thanks for all of the, the, the guidance that you've given me, the clear direction that you've given me along the way. You've not ever told me more than a step or two in front of me what's going to happen outside of just being delivered. But God, you've been so good, so good to provide direction for your servant. And I'm so thankful for that. Father, I could not have done this without your glory every step of the way, without your grace guiding me. Without your grace, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Receive my praise. Receive my worship, God. You are worthy. You are worthy, Father. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Use me, Father, for your glory. God, 
please give me all these children, God, that I can teach them the fear of the Lord. Lord, when you deliver me, I ask you to do it in an astonishing way, Father, very astonishing, God, that it's something that I can teach all of these children, that, God, they will see with their own eyes that this is not a coincidence, but that this is the power and the grace of the living God, that they will remember this even after I am gone, that they will remember to put their hope, and they will say, I remember what God did for Dad, and I'm going to trust God. Please, Lord, I ask you to please show me your glory. Show me your glory, Father. Show me your glory, Father, and help me. God, refresh my spirit as you've done this morning so well over these next couple of days. God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you strengthen me, Father. You help me to finish what I've started. Help me to make it to the finish line no matter how far away it is. No matter how much longer I have to wait for you to deliver me, God, give me clear direction and I will walk in it, God, with your help. Give me clear direction like you've been giving me. You've been telling me for so long to stay put. So God, I pray when you're ready for me to go, that you make it very clear to me and, and you give me the courage to walk into whatever you're asking me to walk into. I have no idea what you're going to ask me to do. I have no idea where I'm going to live seven days from now. It could be China for all I know. And so, Lord, please, Father, give me the courage to obey you. Give me the, the clarity of understanding, Father, of your will going forward. Help me to know very clearly where it is you want me to go, when you want me to go there. And God, I pray also for however you want me to handle this with my children, God, and, and, and what should I speak to them, Lord? I feel like you've been giving me promises, Lord, about... I'm going to have these, these children, and I believe that part of that is going to be Laura's children. I believe you're showing me these scriptures over and over. You're, you're, you're telling me, I'm going to be blessed. I am going to have this big family, and I will know that the Lord is God. I already know, Father, that you are God. But Lord, I do want to know again, and I want to see your glory. I'm fighting for your glory, Lord fighting for your glory. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Please, Father. Please, Father, come to my rescue, Lord, for your name. Michael Commentary. For the next one minute and 20 seconds, something went wrong with my recorder, and you will hear the audio constantly clipping out about every second or two. But I'm going to go ahead and leave this in here. It eventually stops. And if you listen carefully, you can still get the just of what I'm praying. End of commentary. For the sake of your name, God, lead me out of this prison. Lead me out of this pit, God. Deliver me, Father. I humble myself before you and pray and honor for all the days of my life. Help me to never forget and take for granted what you've done. And Father, may I never forget days, how many hundreds and hundreds of times I've walked and waited and waited and waited and, waited and walked and waited and waited and just minutes have turned into hours hours turned into days and turned into weeks and months and years. It's been a long, long time. All of these moments just barely clinging to you in faith. And yet, you've been so good to me, Lord, to give me deep peace. I had the first night of, of sleep in like a year, just night thinking I'm making this for the kids but Lord you've been so good to give me peace and joy and contentment 
rest. And I thank you, Father. Your words are true. Psalm 91.1, who dwell in the shelter of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Father, I love you. And I ask that your will and all of the things I've asked you be done. As I wait patiently, Father, for you to bless your servant. God, I love you and I worship you. You are God alone. Deserve all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And I am so thankful, Father, that you've chosen to do these things in my life. Thank you for choosing me, God. Thank you for opening the eyes of my heart to have relationship with you. Thank you for giving me faith in your grace to do these things and to accomplish your purpose in my life. Father, I love you. I love you and love you and give you thanks for all these promises. In Jesus' name, amen.